Hey guys, Darren Bentley here. And before we get started, I wanted to make a special announcement. We have officially opened registration for the Private Money Conference, which is a three-day live event where you will learn directly from Jay and his team how to raise thousands of dollars in private money to fund all of your real estate deals. Now, in today's changing market, more and more people are losing out to other investors because most of those investors have the cash to fund these deals. Did you know that you are missing out on 87% of the real estate deals out there because you don't have access to private money? Sadly, most real estate investors don't even know this is the reason why they continue to lose deal after deal. And with everything that's happening in the market today, you absolutely need every advantage available to you. And having access to unlimited amounts of private money is your big advantage. So to register for this live event, head over to jconnor.com forward slash event. Again, that is jconnor.com, J-A-Y-C-O-N-N-E-R.com forward slash event, where you will be able to lock in your seat for this live in-person three-day event, which takes place June 12th, 13th, and the 14th in beautiful North Carolina. But you got to be fast because there are a limited number of seats, and when they are gone, they're gone. So again, to take advantage of this incredible event and to learn how to raise all the private money you'll ever need directly from Jay Connor and his team, head over to jayconnor.com forward slash event. Again, that is jayconnor.com, J-A-Y-C-O-N-N-E-R.com forward slash event. Now let's get into today's episode. Are you a new real estate investor and you're still struggling to get your first deal because you just don't have the money to fund your deal? Or are you a wholesaler? You've gotten some assignment fees, but there's some deals you want to stay in, but you can't because you don't have the funding. Or are you a seasoned real estate investor and you just want more funding to do more deals with really super cheap interest rates? If you answered yes to any of those questions, don't go anywhere because I'm getting ready to plug you into the money. Well, welcome to another episode of the Private Money Academy podcast. I'm your host, Jay Connor, also known as the Private Money Authority. And as I said, I'm getting ready to plug you into the money and funding for your deals, regardless of where you are in your real estate investing career. Also, if you've been tuning into the show, you know that for quite a while, I've been having just some amazing guests and experts come on and join me here on the podcast. Well, today is no exception. I've got a very, very dear friend of mine. We're also a fellow mastermind member, and he is going to be pulling the curtain back and talking about how you can really enjoy your own freedom. But before I introduce my guest, I've got a free gift for you just for being here on the show. And that is, I just recently um, released my new book, which is titled, Where to Get the Money Now, How and Where to Get Money for Your Real Estate Deals Without Relying on Hard Money or Traditional Lenders. This book will share with you exactly how I got over $2 million in less than 90 days when I lost my lines of credit with the banks all the way back to 2009. It'll show you step-by-step -step how to get funding, how to make the rules for your loans, and how not to rely on any traditional lenders. And I'm not talking hard money. I'm talking about easy access 
to more money than you can use to fund your deals. I'd love to autograph a copy of it and ship it right out to you. Just cover shipping. And you can get it at www.jayconner.com forward slash book. That's www.jayconner.com forward slash book. And we'll rush that right out to you. Well, my good friend and guest today, years ago, he owned and he managed a private practice dental office, had that for over 20, 21 years or so. Well, while he was still in dental school before opening up his practice, he began his real estate investing career by creatively joint venturing with his father on their very first rental property. Now, this goes all the way back to 1980. So after they did that first property, three years later, in just a few short three years, my guest and friend sold the property and he took his $25,000 capital gain share from the joint venture with his father and he leveraged it into 31 properties that ended up producing a $15,000 monthly net cash flow. Not bad to be printing money and getting positive cash flow, right? Well, everything was going along well. Life was fantastic. The sky was the limit until something happened. And there was a dark day when David's daughter, Jenna, was diagnosed, unfortunately, with leukemia. Now, in the midst of the cancer treatments, the epilepsy, and ultimately, Jenna ended up getting a liver transplant. David made the very critical and crucial decision to leave his clinical practice, so that he could spend every moment that he had with his daughter. Now, David's backup plan or his plan B, that's that rental portfolio of cash flow I just talked about. It gave him the freedom to focus 100% on really what mattered the most to him. And that's his daughter, Jenna. Well, the good news is Jenna won the battle with the disease. And David, to this day, still enjoys the freedom to cherish every moment with her that he can. Now, today, my good friend is a nationally recognized speaker on creating freedom, building real businesses, and investing in real estate. He also helps other logical, rational professionals become dreamers, and then helps them strategically manifest those dreams into freedom. So under my friend's leadership, he runs what's called the Freedom Founders Mastermind Community, um, and his members grow exponentially year by year, providing the pathway to freedom for many professional practice owners. He's got a brand new book out that we're going to be talking about titled Own Your Freedom. And with that, I want to welcome to the show my dear friend and fellow Mastermind member, Mr. David or Dr. David Phelps, should I say. Welcome, David. Well, Jay, it's such a pleasure and honor to be with you today. Thanks for hosting me on your podcast. Absolutely. I've, I've been trying to get you on, but between your schedule and my schedule, it's taken us a little bit of time to get you on, but I'm just so glad to have you on. We want to talk about your new book. We want to talk about your mastermind, but and we want to talk about that monthly cash flow and all that kind of stuff. But before we get into it, take us all the way back to that first deal that you and your father did. And how is it that the two of you got into real estate? Yeah, great. Uh, great start, Jay. Well, I was... I was going to through college, right, to get uh, into dental school, handling the prerequisites. But I always had a curiosity about 
how could I be a good steward of money? Now, money I didn't have because I was in, I'm in college. I'm waiting tables actually to try to keep the the debt load down, right? Going through school, but I was thinking out, you know, how how can I be a good steward of money? I'll have someday, and I realized I was going to be in uh, in dental school for four more years in the same place. And I so I I told my dad, I said, Dad, you know, you know, I can rent a place, rent an apartment, like I've been doing, or I said we, and the key element there was we could own a property together. We can invest in a property, a rental property. And so he agreed. Now, neither one of us knew really anything about real estate other than some books I'd read. Uh, going back to books that uh, we didn't have the internet back then, Jay, we uh, didn't have uh, uh, meetup groups or Facebook groups or forums like we have today. So everything you had to learn today, learn back then was either you know live in a, in a seminar, which they had those, or, or through books. And when I compared and contrasted books about investing on Wall Street, uh, traditional mutual funds or index funds, things like that. And compared that with real estate, real estate just made a whole lot more sense to me. Number one, it's a tangible asset, which is one of the reasons we like it so much. It's uh, you're you're backed by something of a, of a tangible value that really never goes goes to zero. It's always always going to be there producing as long as it's well managed. So I talked my dad into to, to going in on this deal. We had to obviously find it. I had to find a property, so that that was uh, some some time in itself. But we found it uh, through a realtor, and then uh, did some upgrades on it. I should say I did the upgrades. I my part of the deal, Jay was uh, was being the joint venture partner in the management capacity. My dad was just the funder, right? You, you talk about private capital. That's that's your authority. And my dad was my private capital lender. I didn't go to a bank. I didn't have credit to go to a bank. I didn't have my own money or my own credit. So my dad was the funder. I was the managing partner, and we owned that property together for just about four years and sold it, as you mentioned in the intro, when I graduated from school because I was moving on. Uh, but the, here's the epiphany, Jay, is all through school, so I mentioned I was waiting waiting tables at, at pretty nice restaurants. And back in the day, as you said, back in the uh, 80s, 70, late 70s and 80s, you could make some pretty good money in, in, on a flexible schedule. And so I liked waiting tables. Uh, it was good. It was fun. I enjoyed the camaraderie. But what I realized was over the years, I waited tables and made probably 15 to $20 per hour in tips. The amount of capital gain profit, and I'm talking about profit now, not the cash flow, but the profit from this property, my half was 25000 The time value that I put into acquiring, fixing up, and then managing that property was about 10% of the time I spent waiting tables, and I, and I made more profit at the end of the day. Actually, capital gain profit, which is taxed at a lower rate, as we both know. And so that was my epiphany that that owning assets was going to be the goal for me going forward. Now I was went on to, into dentistry, as you know, and, and practiced in dentistry for twenty some years. But I used the the income from dentistry to add to the leveraging into the portfolio of real estate. And over time, that's what really set me free. That's amazing. You know, <clears throat> your story uh, is the same start I had. Uh, I found my first deal back in two thousand three. Um, back in the day when they had homes magazines, the realtors actually <laughs> published homes magazines. And, you know, I hadn't been to any seminars. I just read some books just like you. And, you know, you talk about <clears throat> the, a little bit of time that you had invested and compared to the amount of time you were, you know, waiting tables, uh, my real estate attorney way back in 2003, he says, Jay, the great thing about real estate is you're not trading, uh, hours for dollars. Right. You know, even I mean, I guess I don't know anything about the dentistry practice, but I guess in some degree you're trading hours for dollars, uh, even even in that. So uh, well said. Now, you started out. I mean, you you grew very fast to having this portfolio of 31 properties. 
What length of time did it take you to go from one to 31? Well, it, it wasn't a, a smooth step. Um, you know, I started out, I think in my first year uh, after I graduated from dental school and had my, my profit, I, I can I think back to the exact properties I bought. I bought, I bought, I think three properties that next year, um, one was a fourplex, one was a duplex, and one was a single family house. All right. So I just kind of covered the bases there. So, so I got started there and, you know, then I'd, I'd buy a house here or there. And then one day I was looking at a, a house, a sign out in front of a house that was obviously vacant. And that's, that's how we found it back in the day. You know, there was no SEO. <laughs> um, I wasn't using direct mail back then, didn't have the money for that. So it was literally, you know, farming neighborhoods, right? So you, you drive around, you look for vacant houses. You can still do that today, by the way. It's not a bad way to go. And looking for uh, properties that you knew, um, you knew the owner had some level of distress because, well, vacant property is never good, right? I mean, that's just never good. So, so I called on this one house and found out as I dug a little deeper, actually, this uh, couple owned 11 properties in this particular area and they were from out of, out of town. So long story short, uh, I, I, I picked up 11 properties in one chunk. Uh, oh, wow. 30 so, so what I'm saying is, you know, mostly it was, it was, it was one at a time, but I did take down a, a, a portfolio at one point and every deal I did, Jay, I had to use creative financing, um, part, part and parcel, what you talk about. I did not go to the banks. Um, I had to either get the seller to f- agree to finance, um, really some or most of their equity, I would take over loans subject to, which you talk about a lot. Uh, I lease options some houses, another technique, obviously it works well. Uh, and then I started also to bring in some private capital. The other thing you talk about. So I used all these elements and really found that, that real estate is a great vehicle, but the real key in real estate, in my opinion, is not being transactional in terms of flipping houses or even selling. There's nothing wrong with that. But I think the real gold is in the financing. That's what you what's, what you figured out years and years ago, that, that you use real estate as a vehicle, but learn how to build out, create the financing, and don't be locked into going to the banks, even though today we know that we are at a very historic low point in the interest rate market. I mean, we're at the low of the lows. So I'm not against people using long-term financing if they want to do a takeout and re- refi a portfolio, but... But I believe, as, as you've mentioned, that if you get locked into institutional uh, financing, that that can be taken away from you, as we know, just like that. And then where are you? Where are you then? So I think you've got to at least be building out both if you're using one or the other. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. So when you started out in those first, uh, you know, those first years you were um, investing and growing your portfolio, what were some of your early struggles and lessons learned at the beginning? Real quick, y'all, you guys already know that I don't run any ads on this and I don't sell anything. And so the only ask I can ever ask of you guys is that you help me spread the word so we can help more real estate investors make more money, feed their families, and have the private money they need to fund their deals. And the only way we can do that is if I ask you to rate and review and share this podcast. So the single thing that I ask you to do is you can just leave a review. It'll take you 10 seconds or one type of the thumb. It would mean the absolute world to me. And more importantly, it may change the world of someone else. Buying the wrong properties, which attracts the wrong tenants. But, you know, that's where you start. You start with, you start with something that is easier to 
to acquire, to negotiate because no one else wants it. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I, looked at, I looked at one this morning. It's been vacant for over a year. It's got like 1,400 square feet. It's a 70,000 rehab. Yeah. So, 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 yeah, you start with the stuff that, that you can, you can, you can get a hold of. Right. Uh, and again, I'm, I'm using all kinds of, you know, creative financing, but I still had financing. I still had to make payments of some sort uh, on these properties. So I learned that, that buying the wrong properties, either the wrong layout um, of property or the wrong location or combination thereof is going to attract the wrong tenants. And as we know, you know, an asset is a great to have. A business is great to have. A a real estate investment property is a great thing to have. But, gee, someone has to manage it to actually produce the income. It doesn't just show up magically. So I realized very quickly that I need to, to upgrade my acquisition. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, lessons learned, right? I mean, I'll never forget. So I relatively quickly upgraded to better properties. And I decided, this is just for me, that I didn't really enjoy many of the, of the downside factors of owning uh, a fourplex or a duplex. I liked single family for reasons we don't have to go into right now, but that was just me. So I, those first couple I had, I never went back and bought any more of those because they were just more of a, a headache to me. I love single family because I just felt like I had more control of, of having the right tenants, which is the key, show up and want to live in that home, that particular home. Excellent. <clears throat> David, just in case we've got some listeners that have to jump off before the end of the show, I want you to go ahead and talk about your new book um, and how people can get it. Well, thanks, Jay. So the most recent book published is, is Own Your Freedom. For those who are, are watching, I'll, I'll hold, hold it up. But this is uh, this is the cover. I've got one behind me on the, on the bookshelf. Uh, Own Your Freedom, I co-wrote it with uh, one of my good mentors over the years, Mr. Dan Kennedy. Dan Dan is known in the world of, of business and marketing as a great copywriter, but just also a, a great has a great mind about about money, about finance, about the business of money. So it was during this uh, not a little bit over a year ago, kind of in the middle of the summer of COVID of uh, 2020, when the the country was going through uh, so many iterations of how to get through the gap, right? And and all the stimulus money was coming out and. I realized that so many people were feeling for the first time, or probably for the first time, feeling very vulnerable about their income stream, which for most people it is, you go to work uh, in a business or in a job or something, you go to work and you trade time for dollars. That's kind of how society's built us up, right? That's what the education system tells the majority of people. And people are finding for the first time, well, I'm very vulnerable because the government, um, has, sh has shut down the economy. They're saying you can't go to work. You can't have businesses open. Uh, now they are spoon feeding all this money out there. So maybe I'll get through this. But that vulnerability, I think, showed a lot of people that they need to be building out multiple streams of income. So the book, the book is is very uh, very built on principles. Jay, it's it, you can you can get the book on Amazon or at the website ownyourfreedombook.com, where I've got some additional bonuses, uh, some interviews I did with Dan about Dan Kennedy about the book. But the key thing that I think I want people to realize is, is there's principles about freedom. And one of those, which we're talking about today to a great extent, is, is financial freedom. You know, how do you build a financial freedom? Because then that builds out the other freedoms. Uh, people don't want to feel like they are dependent on a third party, uh, whether that's uh, Social Security or unemployment. I mean, most people, Jay, don't want to feel like someone else has to provide for them. We all want to feel like we that we can provide for ourselves and our families. But how do you do that? You don't have just one line in the water. You've got to have multiple streams. And I, I just found, as you found and, and many of your students, that, that real estate is a great provider of those multiple streams of income where 
you you can have an asset that produces without you having to show up and go to work for that asset every day. Now there's work on the front end and there's someone's got to manage it, but but to the overall, it can be a relatively passive wealth builder and passive cash flow generator. What does it mean, David, to own your freedom? So owning your freedom is 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 really you you taking care of yourself first. I, I compare it with the analogy of when you're on a plane and the instructions we get from the uh, flight attendants is, you know, in the event of the cabin pressure dropping, uh, you know, mask will drop from the, the ceiling compartments. And the instructions are you put yours on first. Well, why? Because if you don't take this sounds selfish, but realize if you don't take care of yourself first, how can you help other people? So owning your own freedom, you know, I'm, I'm not going to get political here on the show today. That's not the point. But the point is, you know, government today, I think, wants more and more to have us as the citizens dependent on the government. That's kind of where we're going. So I'll leave it there. My point is, if that's not where you want to be and you don't want your kids to be there, or the people you care about, then we ha uh, have the responsibility for ourselves to to learn to own our freedom. Then we can help other people that want to be helped or we can help. If we don't take care of ourselves first, then we're not going to be valuable to help other people. Is owning your own or owning your freedom sort of like putting yourself in the driver's seat and not being how to how to put yourself in the driver's seat and not being dependent on government or being dependent on the day job that doesn't, you know, <clears throat> require you to get a vaccine or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, there's a chapter in the book. Uh, uh, who, who's going to drive your car? So I'm going to just pick up on that. It's very brilliant, Jay. Brilliant. Um, you, you picked right up on that, sir. Uh, yeah. Who's going to drive your car? You know, so much in life. I think we we listen to well-meaning people, um, teachers or people in the community. They they mean well, but I think there's many times an abdication of responsibility for ourselves or our families. And so instead of instead of stepping up the plate and say, I don't need to know everything because I can't know everything about everything, right, Jay? I can't know everything, but what I can do is I can be the orchestrator of what I believe I want my life to look like in all respects. In all respects what I do, with whom I do it with, when I do it. Um, and then also, what you know, how do I want to also have impact, you know, on the people I care about? I mean, that's something that people a lot of times talk about legacy at the end of life. Well, I think at the end of life, that's that's kind of too late. You should be talking about, about legacy now. Well, how can you do that? How can you think about other people and legacy and leaving breadcrumbs for other people if you're so embroiled in, in trying to just get through day to day? I mean, we all start out that way in life. We all start out as I was waiting tables and just, you know, just paying the basic bills. Well, that's where you start. But owning your freedom means you get to a point in life where you are solving uh, problems for other people, whether you're, you're a great employee for a great company or you have your own business solving problems. But solving those problems, uh, you get to own your freedom. And never, I never want to depend upon a third party uh, to, to to look to 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 provide for my, my basic subsistence. I either want to be part of, of something where I'm getting compensated in different ways for the value I bring, or I want to have that business that, that is solving those problems where, again, the compensation and other ancillary benefits to my freedom uh, accrue. So David, in your new book, Own Your Freedom, does the book give the reader um, specific, actionable strategies and ideas that they can implement that will actually move them towards um, really being in control of their freedom? Um, in other words, your book is just not theoretical, right? Not, no, not at all theoretical. Uh, I, I will tell you that you, you alluded to a little bit of my story. Uh, I've got other 
real stories of other people that I have worked with or I, I know their stories that have gone through similar iterations. Uh, you know, a great deal of the book is principled on on real estate as a great asset. Uh, but I, I didn't make it, We Dan and I did not make it particularly uh, tactical. Um, prin principles, concepts, uh, strategies. It's really, Jay, I think a book that, it's really a book that applies to um, all generations and all backgrounds uh, because it's it's about really how we think about our autonomy. It, it, what what we've attempted to do is, is kind of reverse a lot of the indoctrination, a lot of the brainwashing that I think uh, the government education system produces today, trying to produce a lot of worker bees. We tried to take that and and reverse that because I think that's the problem we have in this country today is, is is that too many people I think are going to school and coming out of school with the wrong degrees, too much debt, and then they feel trapped. Um, and, and I think that's an awful play, feeling to place to be. It's an awful feeling to have. And we're just we're just trying to change that dynamic and say there's nothing wrong with education, but the right education for the right purpose, and not this just blind going to school and racking up huge amounts of student loan debt uh, because that's the way you're supposed to do it. I, th I think as long as people are following the majority, the pathway that society says, well, this is the way you do it, right? I think that's wrong. I think I think you, people have to be discerning about how they think about starting with money, but how money can lead to to the freedom principles in the book uh, and how that can lead to, you know, a more a, a abundant life. That's That to me is really what it's about. So not a lot of tactics in the book, but the principles are there, Jay, so that they can take the principles and then you know, bring them down into uh, where the tactical approach can be taken based on where each person is. Cause it's hard to write a book about, you know, too much on tactics when you're trying to reach a wide audience. Cause everybody's going to have different opportunities, different places in life. I want something that would, that would speak to everybody, but let them then determine with filters of principles, filtering everything. So, so based on this principle, what I is what I'm thinking about doing or, or working over here, or even in a particular investment, is that the right investment based on the goals? And I want people to be able to, to reverse engineer. Where do you want to be? And so how do I get there? Right. How do, where do I want to be? What's freedom mean to me at different stages in life? And then reverse that back and say, okay, starting with what I've got right now, where I am, what I have, how can I start making the move towards that and actually having specific metrics um, specificity to me, Jay, is one of the key things in life. If, if we're not specific about the dreams and the visions we have, and we just think, well, someday, you know, I'd like to be able to quote retire. And that's not, no, that's not someday and retire. See, that's just very general, but people think that way. I go to work and when I'm 65, I'll get on Medicare and I'll be retired. It's like, no, 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 no. Don't stop thinking like that. You know, you've got to be specific about where do you want to be in milestones? I mean, starting with young people, Jay, right? I mean, young people can start building their own freedom early. It doesn't mean you've, you're financially got it all covered when you're 35 or 40 years old. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying with with, speci with specificity on milestones that you can be making, it can take the pressure off so you can actually enjoy some life as you're going along and not this thing, well, do I have enough? Do I have enough? Do I have enough? Because you know what, Jay? People will never have enough. It, it, that, that's my experience. Yeah, that's that's amazing, David. Um, so um, one more time, um, and we're not finished with the interview, but for any that may be needing to jump off, I want everybody to make sure they've got this website where they can get your new book, Own Your Freedom. And that website, folks, is www.ownyourfreedombook.com. Ownyourfreedombook.com. And David's uh, also got some bonuses over there for you 
that you can't get anywhere else. I want to go back to what some people call your moment of truth. Um, one of my big moments of truth was in January, 2009, but I want to talk about yours. And, and, you know, I touched on it in the intro about your daughter, Jenna, but just in your own words, uh, what did actually cause you decide to step away from your successful dental clinical practice and, you know, go out in this direction that you have now? This was 2004 and Jenna was recovering in the hospital in Houston from her very, um, well, very, very delicate, very complex liver transplant. I mean, any organ transplant is, is complex. And so there was a period of time, there was weeks where she was going through the, the, the recovery period. It's not, you don't go in and get out two or three days later and go home. Uh, actually, she had to stay in Houston for about three months uh, because the recovery period in her case was kind of long and arduous. It was during this time that I had a lot of time to think, Jay, really, because, you know, like a lot of people are probably listening today, um, we feel like, you know, we need to be doing something, always doing, you know, we don't feel good if we're not doing something, not making something happen or not making investments or, or building our business or whatever it is. We feel like we're not, not doing the right thing. And, and yet I have my daughter there, you know, this is not the first time she'd been facing a life threatening situation. She had had gone through high risk leukemia when she was young and she had a period of years where she had epileptic seizures. So this was like, not old hat, but it was like kind of my wake up call. As you said, my moment of truth, when I really decide what am I, what am I trading here? Now? Yes, I was quote a successful dentist and, and I fortunately had been building up real estate on the side, but had I really been devoting the time, the time that's what I call time freedom, you know, to what was really, really should have been most important. And I was not, I was not, I'd been kind of taking things for granted. We'll get through this crisis. We'll get through this crisis, but I got to keep doing because I'm supposed to be the provider and provide security for my family. And that is important. But what I wasn't paying attention to was the fact that my family really wanted me more of my presence, more of my dedicated presence. So that moment of truth was when I decided Jay to, to, to leave dentistry, to, to sell that practice. I, I made a decision while I was in that hospital, watching my daughter, you know, on the life support, you know, that she was after the transplant. And I just decided, you know what, I, I can't keep doing what I'm doing. Right. Even though society says, yeah, you, you know, you need to, you know, be responsible. And oh, you know, I was responsible. I don't think I was being responsible in the right way. So I made that decision. I said, I'm going to, I'm going to let this thing go. Now I, it, it was easier for two reasons. One, I had a real reason why my daughter, no one can fault anybody for doing something for their family member. Okay. So I didn't have to have that guilt. Um, like David, what are you doing? You know, but the second part is I had also, I was also blessed to have gone down the road of investing in real estate. Uh, and that provided me a benchmark, a, not, not that I had wealth up to here, Jay, no way, but I had a benchmark. I had enough to get through and provide for my family, but have most important, importantly was to have the time. Now from there, I will just, I'll just tell, tell the listeners today that that was life changing in many ways. My daughter, she did make it through that and she's 29 years old now. That was back when she was 12 years old. So, so God's grace, um, shown down and gave the, the wisdom and, and the expertise to the doctors to get her through everything she had to get through. And I'm forever thankful for that. I'm forever thankful for the family who donated the organs of their 16 year old daughter who died in an accident and they and allowed her organs to be harvested to give life to other people. That, that was a blessing. The other blessing was that I got to refocus what was most important to me. And 
having this change in my life opened up new doors. It certainly gave me what I wanted was a time with my daughter. That was number one, number one focus. Everything else was secondary. I hadn't even been thinking about what else I was going to do, Jay. Not even thinking about it. I mean, I had my real estate and blah, 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 but I didn't really know what I was going to do. Well, this opened up a new opportunity for me to figure out, well, who else am I besides a dentist? Who else am I? And you know, when you go through school, you get titles or degrees. It's like, well, that's who you are. Well, is that really, really, really who you are? And do you have to stay that person or that that identity for your life? And part of part of the book is no, you don't. No, unless unless you just uh, accede to that. I mean, but no, you don't. So it opened up new doors, and you know that's how Freedom Founders, the community that you alluded to earlier came about. I had no no focus on that. I didn't say I'm going to build out some community and we're going to have a mastermind about real estate and building wealth. And you know, it's just like it had to evolve, but it would never have evolved had I not taken the break from this career path that I was, you know, driving away on because that's what you're supposed to do. Yeah. Um, it's like, you know, do you want to find the opportunity and the difficulty or do you want to find the difficulty? You know, it's like, so, I mean, it's like COVID, right? I mean, COVID, as horrible as it is, I mean, one of our, mine and Carol Joy's best friends, daddy, just passed away this past Friday. Mm -hmm. I mean, COVID is horrible. Um, while at the same time, this horrible challenge and difficulty has opened up brand new opportunities to serve people in ways that we haven't served people before. So speaking of COVID, you know, things are different on this side since it started, you know, March of 2020. Look in your crystal ball and tell us what do you see happening in, you know, the public, uh, society, government, and uh, what kind of impact do you think that's going to have on our economy uh, coming around the corner? Well, yeah, that's that's a that's a deep hole to try to traverse here, but I'll try to do it with some kind of grace here. Um, so I think I think COVID was a was a big wake up call across the board uh, for everybody. And as you said, unfortunately, for some, um, the 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 ultimate was lo they lost loved ones. That's you know, and you're right. That is a tragedy, no question about it. I mean, people lose their lives in different ways every day. We know that, unfortunately, cancers uh, and and just tragic illnesses and accidents. It, it's part of life and it's never easy to accept, um, but it happens. But I, I think, I think that, I think, so a lot of people started, like I had the, had that epiphany when I was in the hospital with Jen, here's life racing by, racing by, racing by, racing by, you know, and all of a sudden we had this, we, we had the shutdown. So people are actually forced to like stay home uh, and reconnect with, um, family members. I know that a lot of, a lot of adult kids came home from school and uh, parents were saying, Oh, I got a second chance with, with, with Billy and Jane, you know, they were here for, you know, number months. And that was just, that was very cool to have the family back together, uh, spending time with, with kids, just kind of getting back to like roots of quality of life instead of this drive. So, so that part changed. And we know that for a fact, because we have a lot of people uh, that, that are not going back to the same old, same old. Uh, they're not going back to the same job. It's the great resignation, as it's been called. Um, a lot of people have left the workforce and either older people uh, have retired out and said, you know what, I'm kind of done with all that. And so maybe they're financially okay and they can do that. Other people have decided, I'm not, like the book talks about, own your freedom, decided, you know what, I'm not going to keep going back to that that job that I had to commute, you know, 45 minutes, 60 minutes a day. Uh, I'm not going to do that anymore. I, I've, I've realized this wake-up call has told me I'm not going to live my life. It's like I had to decide. You know, what's the trade-off? 
I mean, is, is the benefits and whatever money I was making, is that worth what I was missing over here? And a lot of people say, no, it's not. I'm going to figure out another way to, to provide for the family, but I'm going to be there for my family. I'm not going to miss this opportunity. So I think that was a societal wake-up call. Um, You've asked about government. So government, um, I just have to say, government uses crisis as an opportunity to gain more control of its citizens. Uh, I could probably just stop there, Jay, and, and, and that'd be enough for here. But I think what we're seeing is government is wanting to take over more and more of the private sector, consolidation, roll-ups. Um, uh, they, the government wants to tell us what to eat, where to live, what to wear, what where to go to work, and what to get paid. The government would love to do that. So that's a movement that people have to be aware of. That's, again, why I think you need to own your own freedom. Don't get sucked into to that. Um, where's the economy go? Well, that's, I think that's what everybody'd like to know, Jay. And, and, and if, if I could give that to you here and, and make it succinct and make it dead on, would this be valuable to your listeners? Absolutely. Well, I'm not going to do it. There you go. <laughs> you got the same crystal ball I do. <laughs> listen, listen, I, I think what we have to realize is that there are so many variables in the marketplace, in the economy today, that there is no guru, no pundit. I don't care who you want to go back to that we that we would all say, hey, that's an experienced economist or nobody can say for sure. I think all we can say, Jay, for sure, is we're going to see a lot more volatility. Absolutely. And so, so back to why you need to have some principles on which you're building your life and your finances because volatility is going to be there. Sorry, I interrupted you. No, you're fine. As we wrap up, David, um, tell everybody about your mastermind group and who makes a good member of your mastermind group, which is freedomfounders.com. So the mastermind group is a group where busy professionals, and mostly because I speak from my own industry experience is into, into dentistry, but I have I have dentists and other affiliated professional practice owners, other MDs and people like that, only because that's who I speak to. Now, what we do, Jay, could fit for anybody who's in a in a business capacity and they want to learn how to build wealth through alternative investments, which is what we love, Jay, real estate. So, so our community connects busy professionals who have investment opportunities and then maybe they've got 401ks and maybe they've got uh, underdeployed equity in other assets, but they would like to learn how to get that equity working for them. And that's the whole key to financial freedom is you want other assets working for you. It's what we love about real estate. So, so probably the, the person who best describes to what we do is somebody who is relatively down, far down the, the pathway in their own career. Um, not that they're debt free, uh, but they've got consumption debt under control and they have uh, a relative amount of capital they want to reallocate into real estate. We're not a big group. Uh, we're about 80 members and I'm not trying to scale something big because I find I can't maintain the quality of the relationships that I love so much and also the quality of the connections to what I think are the most best and highest curated real estate opportunities. It's a big deal for me to, to, to provide some safety nets, no guarantees of course, but safety nets. And I can't do that if I'm trying to scale. So, um, people can, I I put a lot, a lot of content, um, and people can go to freedomfounders.com. That's the, the basic website for the community, but I have a podcast, which is the Dennis Freedom Blueprint podcast, which I'm going to host you on because what we do on that podcast, Jay, is we don't talk about clinical dentistry. So we talk about what we're talking about here today, freedom, financial assets. Uh, that's why I'm going to have you on the podcast because uh, we're going to talk about the stuff that we both love. 
<laughs> That's awesome. David, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate your time and you have given just a ton of uh, valuable information uh, from your experience. And I just appreciate you so much. I know being around you and our and the other mastermind group that we're in, uh, you are a true go-giver. You got a servant's heart and uh, you're just out there to make an impact. And I just appreciate you so much, David. Thank you. Jay, it's always a pleasure. I thank you so much. You're you're the same way. You're you're one of those people out there that's that, that's changing the world in many ways. And I appreciate the opportunity to be here with you today. Awesome. There you have it, folks. Another episode of the Private Money Academy podcast. I'm Jay Connor, the Private Money Authority, wishing you all the best. Here's to taking your real estate investing business to the next level. We really appreciate you subscribing, rating, and reviewing. If you're watching us on YouTube, be sure to subscribe and ring that bell or tap that bell so you don't miss out on any of the future shows. So we'll see you right here on the next Private Money Academy podcast. Thank mm -hmm. you.